Hey everybody, Coach here. Man, I'm sure glad you took a few minutes and joined me doing whatever you're doing at any time that you're doing it. You join me here on the podcast to get a little landscape education. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, this week we're talking about color chasing. It's a personal term that I have colloquialized uh, over many, many, many years of doing some landscape work and extending people's residential landscape situations so that they have color of one kind or another for as long as they possibly can. I am a big fan of color in any landscape, whether it be residential or commercial, or even especially natural landscapes. You know, tastefully done in the residential setting, it adds so much more pop, so much more enjoyment, a lot of attraction, and more pleasure for the homeowner that has such a landscape and for the neighbors and people who drive by and see. Many landscapes are consistent with the, the usual monochromatic green of one hue or another, and oftentimes don't have a lot in the way of color. This week, I'm talking about color chasing and garnering as much color in your landscape as your location, your growing season, and your time schedule will allow. I'm glad you joined me today, or tonight, or whenever you're listening to this. Let's get started, shall we? Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. Okay, first some ground rules for this week. One, color comes in so many forms in the landscape. Two, some research and due diligence on your part is needed. You can't, you can't willy-nilly this in any way, shape, or form. Three, knowing a little bit about your USDA zone and your growing conditions is very important to get the most out of what we're talking about here today. With that, we break down color chasing in a few simple ways. And you probably think of them, but maybe not in this realm. Color comes from flower. That's the number one thing that we generally think about is the, the color of flowers in the spring, summer, fall, and winter. Another one though is leaf. Yet another are stems, bark, backdrop in the landscape, sun and shade, temperatures, etc. All of these kind of play a part in doing this color chasing correctly. Whoa, wait a minute, coach, hold on. I have to consider all that just to make my yard colorful? Well, yes and no, let me explain. Those are choices and considerations to be made, but not all will be happening and not all heaped in one huge pile of ornamental horticulture. It is easier if you reduce it down to small nibbles of information rather than huge bites and chunks. For instance, is your landscape, this is the first one right out of the gate, is your landscape plantable? Or is the soil so impervious to a shovel, you might have to go to raised beds and containers in order to accomplish it. Another one might be, is your growing season a much, much shorter one compared to those folks in the South? Maybe you only have three to four months instead of nine or nine plus months 
for someone who might be in Florida or San Diego or something like that. In order to color chase, you have to get off the couch. Of course, get off the couch after some research with the computer and head to the nursery. Go at various times of the year throughout one long season and see what is offered at various times. What's there in March and April versus July and August versus September, October? You know, and see what is blooming at the time at the nursery then. See what appeals to you. Then try to match these various selections with what you have or what you want to do in your landscape. It's a big, big difference walking the aisles of a retail nursery as compared to getting those things home and having the plan ahead of time of where these selections are gonna go, why they're going in that particular situation, and you knowing ahead of time that they're gonna thrive in the conditions you're putting them in. Then over the course of that research year, compile a list over, over that whole season that will fill your bill of getting you color from early, early spring all the way through mid to late fall or beyond in some cases, depending on where you live. And then you can have some fun with selecting colors and what colors really trip your trigger. Are you a warm and hot color type of person or muted pastels and cooler colors? They can be a mixture of contrast colors as well, of both, both warm and cool colors, which really add a whole nother dimension. And when you do have a mixture of these contrasting colors, it can hail from a variety of sources. Those sources can be trees, like when they come into bloom in the springtime, and maybe later on in the fall, shrubs, perennials, annuals, bulbs, and don't forget the ever-present man-made landscape art that you might wanna introduce out there. The colors can be protracted over an extended period by considering a couple of things. For instance, bulbs. Now bulbs are the long, 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 long time ago of history when bulbs in the Netherlands and in Europe, when those things would come up, that was really the, the hail of the new season and were very, very popular. Bulbs compared to when I was in the retail nursery industry, are not as popular as they used to be, but they can be used and they can use very successfully as ushers of the spring season. Then you can find various bulbs that extend that blooming period through the spring and into summer as well. Tree bloom in spring and then maybe uh, fruit colors as the fruit ripens, beautiful color. If you've ever seen something like a, uh, a hail peach or something, in the landscape from a semi-dwarf or a dwarf fruit tree. Oh my gosh. Or in the winters, if you were able to grow them, citrus, when they have the orange and yellow fruits hanging on there with the dark green contrasts and stuff. Very, very colorful. And then with trees, man, when they turn the corner from summer to fall, those beautiful, like what Maestro and I are experiencing right now in our home state of South Dakota. Fall is kicking in full time right now. And it is really, really beautiful this time of year. So the tree bloom in the spring and then fruit colors in the summer and then maybe fall color. Wow, a triple whammy from just one selection. And this is where your research and due diligence really pays off. How about perennials? Now they're one of my favorites, you know that. Perennials that are arranged so that 
springers in the springtime do their thing and then they kind of ebb out you know late april early may you go in and deadhead them but you have perennials that are just now coming in for the early to mid summers and then perennials that finish it off from august to september and into october those guys really really give you your best bang for your buck and later this fall is the perfect time that if you really want to multiply you want to have free plants time to dig them up divide them and make the bed a little bigger or make a bed in the backyard or the front yard or maybe take them over to a friend's or family's house and show them what they can do. Perennials are a fantastic way that after that first year, you can generally get every single year a little bit more and a little bit more and it doesn't cost you a darn dime. Then there's annuals. Annuals that bridge gaps in the color breaks throughout the season. Act as fillers and are rotated as needed, complement other garden members putting on their show at the moment. So maybe you have the bulbs, you know, coming in and you've got some alyssum or something like that and the bulbs are poking up through the alyssum that's what i was kind of used to it might be a little different where you're at but you can use that ground hugging alyssums and cerastium snow and summers and stuff for summer bloomers where those things can really be a ground cover to start with but then can be bright whites and pinks and purples while the bulbs and other things come up and that's how you multiply your color impact. Sometimes the color show is at ground level and with ground cover tapestries that come on board like Creeping Time and, and other subtle cooler selections. And then later on in the summers, you have some of the sedum ground covers that burst forth like Dragon's Blood Sedum and Autumn Joy and things like that. They really do a great job in the late summer into fall time. And don't forget to research and make some selections about things that attract butterflies and hummingbirds, other pollinators and that kind of stuff that add that extra level of enjoyment. Who doesn't like to sit out on the back patio, you know, maybe listening to a gurgling water feature and then seeing your pollinators attract all this wildlife into the yard. I talked about that in a couple of uh, podcasts and YouTube channel videos couple weeks ago. And another tip is you want those little uh, flying angels from nature coming in really close. Make sure that you have a feeder and you put some of those attracting perennials and stuff up close to windows in containers and keep those feeders near windows and doors so the enjoyment can be you know all day long in some cases. As summer gets into full swing many times some deadheading of the spring bloomers are in order. Maybe some feeding as well and you can get a second and maybe even a third bloom. Feeding again and encouraging a whole nother wave of your springer into your summer months. As we round the corner, as we round the corner from summer to fall, other perennials can take center stage. Late planted annuals can also be put in. You can get stuff and put them in in July and then in late August, September, they'll still be on board, still adding that color chase all the way into fall before they say, Okay, I'm done. They can show themselves off and eventually it will be time for the trees and some of the shrubs, if they're deciduous ones, of all kinds to beckon for your attention again via the showy fall leaf extravaganza. Kind of like the one Maestro and I are enjoying right now. That will get you to late September for some of you, late October for others, and still into mid to late November for you southern folk down south. Of course, I am only speaking 
to the Northern Hemisphere crowd at this point. For any of you listening in the Southern Hemis, your seasons will adjust opposite, obviously. Winter is June, July, and August, spring in September, October, December, and etc. So you're opposites of us. That's your normal, that's not ours. But still, you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about color chasing. Color chasing is really a passion. If you enjoy it, you will be good at it. If not, well, then you've gained some education you did not have 20 minutes ago. Maybe green and green alone for you is okay, and that's fine. Or maybe you rely on that grand old lady mother nature to provide all the color you can handle. That is okay too. A word of caution though. Be aware that mother nature's color selections can be a very, very sharp two-edged sword. Her little beauties that she comes up with and that maybe live in and around where you live have one thing on their mind from the get-go. And if you don't pay attention, you may have more than you bargained for. What is on the native's mind is always, always, always procreation and proliferation. Through various means of air flight seeds, uh, sticker seeds, the ones that get in your socks, shoes, and pants, or on your dog's fur, and other ones are rhizomic runners and other ways of replicating and repeating themselves. That's how they compete out there in Mother Nature's world. And the more that there is of one species, the more dominant that species is gonna be. So be careful introducing going native in an ornamental landscape. I warned you about that back in 2021. And it's okay to go native, especially if you're in an area where maybe only natives thrive and you can't plug a perennial in the ground because it just doesn't work there. I get it. I think some native introductions in some cases will work in a residential landscape setting, but planter and homeowner beware. Know your selections up front, the pros and the cons, and be prepared with pruners before any seeds form up. So what do we do in that stagnant period of time when nothing is blooming? For some of you, that might be mere weeks. For others, that might be months and months. But if you're out there and there's 18 inches of snow in the front yard, you know, or maybe, maybe it's been raining for two months straight, <laughs> boy, out west, wouldn't they like that? That is the time for prepping, designing, layout, maybe creating some starts under artificial lights in cell pack form and seed form, and of course, resting. Your landscape is resting. It's sound asleep out there, as long as you're not in Miami, Florida. But you rest. Hey, you created or are creating something that will reward you for many, many years to come. Maybe you've taken a lot of efforts this past year to start your color chasing landscape. Take some time off. You know, maybe concentrate on doing your fall and winter chores with some tools and other things that I suggested a couple weeks ago. Find excellent deals if your nurseries are still open Man, you can go there and find the clearance rack and you can get deals that are 80 or 90% off in some cases. Color chasing is fun. It was very fun to me for many, many, many years. And in the long run, as the landscape matures, you will see your hard earned efforts pay off in spades. That continual rollover of your favorites, of bloomers and bearers, and those landscape stars show off throughout the year. Remember your maintenance schedules, like pruning, weeding, deadheading, uh, 
feeding for bloom period extensions, nips and tucks, and the ever-present removal and replacement of various malcontents that did not work and other options need to be explored. Do not get discouraged. If something fails, it might be something you did, but in many cases, it is other forces at work you did not or could not have anticipated. Adapt, learn, overcome, and move forward. Yep, I think color chasing is a great way to get all that your landscape can give you and then some. And that's what I have for you this week. A real special thanks to Barbara in Montana for her update on her project that's coming around. I hope my friend out there, Kurt in Oklahoma City, is getting his projects and plans done. And to all of those who are commenting and asking questions every week, keep them coming. I enjoy answering and hopefully helping you in any way I can. Hey, by the way, check out the join button over on the YouTube channel if you want to help me put out bigger and better things for just those members who join. Very, very nominal fee. And it helps support this channel and allows this channel to do bigger and better things. I would love to have you on board as a member. Some merchandise is now available. You can check that out as well. Hey, any questions, reach out to me and email me. I love answering landscape questions. And as always, to your landscape success, I hope the next coming week is a good one for you. And I'll say bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.